Hello, friends. Welcome to the Can't Let Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring you my conversation with Justin Biltonen. Justin is the bass player for the accomplished rock band Three Doors Down, as well as a singer-songwriter putting out some pretty great music on his own in the uh, country music space. Uh, But first, before I bring you that conversation, a reminder, we are launching the first ever book club on the KLP, and I think this could be really great. Basically, a group of us will read one book per month, and at the end of that month, we'll discuss the book together on the podcast. It's totally free, and you can join from anywhere in the world. Visit cantlap.com forward slash KLP book club to learn more. Expect to have a great time, meet other interesting people, and engage in reading, learning, and discussion, of course. So I'd love to have you. Check it out now. Cantlap.com forward slash KLP book club. If you like to read and learn and discuss interesting ideas, I think you will like it. Cantlap.com forward slash KLP book club and hit that up and uh, join. We'd love to have you. Also, be sure to hit up our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button if you would. Just search the Can't Let Podcast on YouTube. With that, I give you my conversation with Justin Biltonen. Please enjoy. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. By the way, on that mic, just keep it nice and close, okay. real close. Yeah. yeah, and it moves around, so... Awesome. So uh, we met at my our CrossFit gym, yeah. but I haven't seen you there in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just saying when you walked in here, why you've not been around much, but then we missed it. So yeah. we're, have you been working out somewhere else or yeah, dropping actually, on a CrossFit or what's going on? No, no, I'm still doing it. Um, when everything shut down, it was around the same time I moved out to Hermitage. I'm like right on yep. the Hermitage, Mount Juliet border there. Yep. And um, all the gyms were closed for a while and I was doing home workouts and stuff. And then there's a gym that's like five minutes from me down this like beautiful little country road okay and nice it was just a little easier to, to yeah. get to and from especially okay. with everything going on so instead of driving you know 30 minutes into town to right. work out it's right there so is it it's a great CrossFit place gym or no yeah it's crossfit oh yeah which yeah, one mount juliet crossfit crossfit mount juliet yeah. yeah yeah i used to go there oh cool yeah cool. that was the very first crossfit gym that i was ever a part of we lived just across town in mount juliet and it's, uh, I had about 20 minutes there. Weirdly enough, Mount Juliet's like very long north and south. So if you yeah. live in like one part of Mount Juliet, it can take you 30 minutes to get to the other side of Mount Juliet. Yeah. Particularly when they put in Providence and traffic got bad and everything. So that was the very first CrossFit gym I was part of. And then a new gym opened up much closer to my house, CrossFit B&A. Started going there. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. And, uh, and then switched to Forte because it's closer and I just like the gym and everything. It works good. So you're CrossFit Mount Julia. Yeah. That's cool. And, it, you know, it's a great gym too and everybody over there is nice. And yeah, I went it to Forte for many years just because I lived like five minutes from there too. Yep. So it was really convenient and did a little bit of coaching there and stuff too. But uh, You coached at Forte? Yeah, for a little bit. Um, really? It was mostly last year. Um, oh wow! I don't think I was there any of the classes that you coached. Yeah, I usually did. Uh, usually did the later classes. It's like five thirty, okay. six, that kind of stuff. And it was no fun. Kidding. Just I'm not a patient person. I'm not. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, figured it out. It was not for me. Trying yeah, to tell okay. How to do that stuff. So were you so, coaching because it was like free membership, or no, it's, was it's Evan paying I'm you, or how does that to, work? Okay. I mean, I've, I've I've had many different weird jobs over okay. the years, and random stuff always kind of finds me and i guess yeah. like i'm a i don't know searcher or something i guess sure so i thought it'd be yeah. something cool to do we weren't traveling as much last year okay and um i've got my l1 like before that and was okay like, Man, 
Might be fun. Nice. Might be something that I really loved. And yeah, you know, just I've I don't have the it, patience for it. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think I've thought of it as well, but the time that it would take to kind of learn how to coach, because I feel like I care a lot about the moving correctly for myself. Like I'm not one of those guys where I'm going to run in there and do movements the wrong with bad form and hurt yeah. myself too quickly. Like I tend to try to take care to have good form, but I just don't know the movements nearly well enough to like teach other people how to have good form. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I get that. I mean, I, I've been doing that for five years. I've been doing CrossFit stuff for five years. Okay. Maybe longer. I've kind of lost track of it. And it's something that I thought like, since I know it in my head, I could translate that to other people, and I think right. that's like a whole other separate skill of being able to yes, it is demonstrate it and is. teach and, and anything. Like I just, yes, what's interesting you know. about that is you know you're very conversant in everything, and it didn't sound like the coaching was like right up your alley. Evan Beach, the owner of Forte, he's just sort of like a no nonsense guy. Like I mean, he's conversant too, but he's not going to chat. Like he's not just a chit chatty type of guy, no. <laughs> but a very good coach. Yeah, you know because he's very down to earth, no bull. Here's how you do it. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's having a good day too, he's, most he's days. He's like an and, expert in his field. I yeah, he think. is. Like, yeah. I think starting out, especially like the, where I was with it, I still like, even though I knew how to do it, I was constantly second guessing myself mentally. Okay. And I think that was a big part of it too. Cause like whenever he says something, he knows it for a fact. Right. Like, there's nothing. There's no question. He's done all the courses. He's been certified in yeah. every damn thing he can be certified in. And yep. So whenever he speaks, I think there's a lot more confidence. Yes. So I, I think it'd be the difference, like if I, you know, if he was trying to teach somebody how to play guitar or something. Exactly. So, like, so I think it's uh, not necessarily expert in your field and everything, but just having the confidence in what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think that was a big, big thing too. Was, I totally agree. Did you overlap with Mike at all in the gym? Yeah. Mike Carpenter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a good coach too. I like him. Yeah, Braden's good. I mean, he came from the, a uh, college sports background. He did, too, yeah. So. I think he played baseball in college. You see a and huge difference in people, like the because I was just like I never played sports in school. I okay. stopped playing in like middle school. Oh yeah, and uh, got into music, and you see the difference in the people that went all through like their early school, high school, college yeah. doing sports. They just have a different idea of it because they're constantly immersed in it. Yes, so I think that. That makes a big difference, especially going into a fitness field where you, you know, I agree. It's something that he's just extremely natural at doing yep. because he's done it so long. And I totally agree. And some people are just naturally athletic. Yeah. Some people just have that athleticism about them, and they're just they're just naturals. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed is the people that I know that are left-handed, they tend to be the the people I know. They're very athletic. Interesting. I mean, I don't. So I've been curious to know for some time if there's an actual correlation between left-handed people and athleticism. Now, Mike is not, but I mean, he's just he's just a natural. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he is or not. Maybe. Actually, I don't know either way. But he's just a natural athlete. But I've been curious if like left-handedness. If you're left-handed, if you're more naturally athletic. Yeah. But I have no idea. Maybe there's something to do uh, with that side of your brain. Maybe. Or yeah, it could be. Yeah. Tattoos. Where'd you get those? They're very nice. Um, I've gotten them all over the place. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, did you get a significant amount of them in Nashville? Um, no, I've, I've gotten one, one in Nashville. Okay. Many, many years ago, and it was oh, like yeah? in a recording studio. It was not at a tattoo shop. It was just like, you got a tattoo in a recording studio. Yeah, I've gotten them in all sorts of weird places. But well, <laughs> someone comes in with some ink and starts and starts penning you up, or what? How does Pretty that much. work? Um, I mean, like. <laughs> Um, some people frown upon it for obvious reasons, and some people, yeah, you know, there's, <laughs> you can make pretty much anything mobile. 
Okay. So. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So they're mobile tattooists. I mean, yeah, it's, it's they're legit. bringing. Yeah, it's not anything weird. Like they're bringing okay. their whole rig set up, and it's still you know safe and hygienic. It's sure. Just, it's just different ones. Like yeah, right. I'm in a hotel room. What do you have on the left side? It's real nice. Um. Yeah, this was actually in a tattoo shop. Okay. Um, this was back on many years ago. Um, my buddy Darren White did this one. And, um, Darren White. He's uh he's based down in in Georgia now. I think. Okay. All right. But um, awesome tattooer. Okay. And he, I mean, he paints. He does everything. Oh, okay. And he did that many years ago, and then whenever we did a tour in Okinawa, probably six years ago, I got this part. Added to it was great the, color, man. The different stuff on there. Did the red fade a little bit, or was it ma- it was it penned in like that to begin with? Um, that was another older one. That was in a in a uh, studio. Okay, a, it's lasted a good bit. Because I like that color with yeah, mostly black and gray with a little bit of muted reds and stuff and greens. Yeah, that's, I'm a big that's fan r- of the black and gray stuff. Me it, too. It lasts. I got yeah. another big piece up here. But, oh um, yeah, yeah. That one that was in Okinawa and yeah, it's great. Stuff. They look great, man. Thank you. So filled up and. Yeah, you you got uh, plans for more, or are you good for now? Um, I've always got plans for more, but yeah. I've, I've always kind of <laughs> It's a lifestyle. Huh? Yeah, I'm just kind of taking my time with it. It's, okay. Um, my next one I want right through here. Um, okay. Kind of commemorating some uh, solo career stuff that I'm started a while back, and okay, um, my friend Bubba Irwin, I want him to do it. So okay. Um, he's a great tattoo artist, and he's he was on TV shows and oh, all sorts cool. of stuff. But um, commemorating some like milestones in your solo career, yeah, yeah, just okay. kind of personal stuff that I I'm proud of, and yeah, um, yeah. But I just take my time with it. I've never right. been like one of those people who's like sleeved out when they were 25 because sure. they knew somebody. So yeah, all the stuff I've got has just been over time, and yeah, I've got some stuff that like is meaningful, and some stuff that's just like that was a weird night, and I ended up with a tattoo. But, <laughs> but you do with what I'm seeing anyway. It all looks good, you know, because sometimes the meaningful stuff doesn't look as good. Yeah, and sometimes it just looking good stuff. It looks great, but you know, but uh, but it, it looks to me like you have a good mix. I have Thanks. only have a couple, but that's what I'm going for too. Is that mix between looking good and and meaningful? So, yeah. Um, you by the way, th- find some stuff that once you figure out what looks good, I think a lot of people are just. Like, oh, this is cool, man. It was only 50 bucks. And yeah. you end up with some dog shit tattoos. It's that true. You end up spending $1,000 to get covered up once you figure exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's a difference and you kind of get what you pay for with that stuff. Yeah, so. you really do, for sure. So I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to wear my cowboy hat. Yeah, it's man. been some time. <laughs> so I, I've had it in this drawer over here because I had it hanging in here and then I, I just put it in the drawer. And so this hat. Um, I mean, I don't even know the brand. It's this is a very old hat. It's not. It was not an expensive hat. It's not a Stetson or anything. But um, I got this when I was probably like man, thirteen or fourteen. And uh, so my mom finally let us get horses when I turned thirteen. And um, I grew up without a dad. He passed away when I was ten. And so, like, literally throughout my teen years, I was on the horse every afternoon. It was like it, horses kept me sane in my teen years. And uh, this was the hat I wore, and it was like, man, it was like such a part of my life. And then we got out of horses about the time I got married, like low 20s, and haven't had horses since. And I still have the hat, thankfully. I still have the saddle. Um, And it's still in the blood, man. A couple of weeks ago, we started watching the TV show Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, 
someday best show some, on TV. It really is. <laughs> someday I'm I want to own a ranch. I don't care if it's not very big. I don't, you know, I just want a little ranch somewhere and I want horses again someday because there's something about horses. So being able to wear the cowboy hat this afternoon when I knew you were coming on the podcast, like it's made my day, man. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Thanks for the permission to wear the cowboy yeah, hat. Yeah, again. Well, that passed along. Yeah. Very cool. So um what were what are some of those milestones? If you would have some of those milestones tattooed on your solo career, because I mean, obviously you're an accomplished bass player with three doors down. Not everyone gets that gig. So we yeah. need to talk about that for sure. Um, but is it in more recent years you've kind of gotten into your solo solo path, which I've heard some of your songs, yeah. by the way. I've heard all the singles that I could find on Sonos, I've heard them before too. All very good. I like the music, man. I appreciate it. It's that. really good. Um, yeah, a lot of it's uh, you know, just the this part. Like, there's a cattle school thing I've been using on my t-shirts, and that was like the first time I ever had anything. that was just my solo stuff. So I think that was one of the big things I kind of want to commemorate is just stepping out and doing that on my own mm-hmm. and having people enjoy it and stuff and get behind it. So. That's a big one, and then got all sorts of other stuff kind of coming up and yeah. working on different things. Has music been a passion of yours since you can remember, or when did that start for oh, you? Yeah. Um, I've been playing guitar since I was probably 11, I think. Okay. And um 35 now. Um, I'm 36. I just turned 36. Uh, I didn't realize we're that close uh, in age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we uh grew up with a lot of music in the house. And you have siblings? Yeah, I got a sister. Um, okay. She's two years younger than me. Oh, okay. So just the two of you. Yeah. And you were the oldest. Yep. In North Carolina, right? Yep. What part of North Carolina? Uh, Western North Carolina, up in the mountains, uh, outside of Asheville. Oh. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Pretty area. From here. Yeah. Yeah. Like how close to Asheville? Um, probably about 30 minutes. I see. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. It's real pretty out there. Yep. So you grew up in, in North Carolina. Were your parents musicians? Um, they weren't musicians, but... Well, my mom played guitar a little bit, which is kind of what got me into because she had this old ovation acoustic that she played for years back in the 70s. But, okay. Uh, they were both, and my dad, great singer. He always wanted to be a country singer. And, oh, yeah? And, yeah. And he was always singing. We always had music on. Um, mom was more into rock. Dad was into country. Okay. And, what was what would your dad sing? Like he would um, sing country. He just wasn't making a living doing it, or would he sing no, like no, gospel or something? Or he would he, he would just sing whenever he was drinking and hanging out at the house. Oh, and okay. stuff. So okay. he would sing for people, but he never, never really wanted to like get out on stage. I think it was more raising the family at that point. Like sure. my parents came down to, they started in Tennessee. They both met up in Detroit. Okay. Um, and this was like the early '80s, I guess. They moved to Tennessee. We had. All the family on my mom's side was still down here, except for her, mom and dad, my, my grandparents. Well, they were in Michigan. So okay. the whole family pretty much was from North Carolina, moved to Michigan looking for work. I see. And then mom and dad came down. Um, and the plan was to get down to like Tennessee, North Carolina for a little bit, and then they were going to go to Nashville. And, mm. and they had me. So And then they stayed <laughs> in North, North Carolina? Carolina. Yeah. What was going to bring him to Nashville? Uh, Music? Dad, he was going to try to do some singing. Really? Yeah. And then but, they had you and stayed? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So your dad made some self-sacrifices for yeah. the family. Yeah. And um, they always did. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean, every parent does. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, they had um, had me and just stayed in North Carolina and had my sister. And, and so now you're... 
you're making it like you're in it, like you're you're doing music. This is what you do, and you're good at it. Like that must be really <laughs> satisfying for your dad. Yeah, they they love it. They love you have a good relationship with your parents. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They're uh, they're both still alive, both still married. Yeah, um, in, they're still in, in, North, in Carolina. North Carolina. Yep. Okay. Do they come to Nashville some and see you? They have not in a while. They both okay. work pretty hard, so okay. uh, they just haven't come over in sure in a while. But um, I get to go see them quite a bit. Yep. Is your dad? Um, does he communicate? Like, does he tell you like he's proud of you? For, oh yeah. Does he? Oh yeah. He'll tell that to your face. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, uh, they especially. I mean, they were proud when I was doing like my old bands, kicking around, playing in town, and yep. going on tours, and then um, once I got in three doors, all of a sudden it was like, whoa, this is yeah, this is real deal. Like he's he's not joking. And yeah, for sure. Around that same time, I'd moved out here and. So they knew I was serious about it. It wasn't just messing around, getting drunk at bars. Right. There was like a serious drive for it. So once I was in like a professional band, they were proud before, but then it was like, whoa, all right. Like he's actually taking it serious and doing it. Yeah. It's legit, man. So guitar at 11. And then what did you, What other? because I know you play bass now, so I'm, I'm assuming I know you play at least two instruments. Where did you go from there? Um, mostly focused on guitar. Um, that's kind of what I was passionate about was playing guitar oh, yeah. and should have had to bring your guitar. Yeah, I should have. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I think did, about I it. I didn't even think to <laughs> jump, jumped in the truck and came over. Um, but yeah, I think around 14, maybe, um, I started playing at church and that was a big thing. Like around that time, late nineties, early two thousands when all the, like there was like that big push of like Christian rock bands were coming around, like Third yeah. Day, Jars of Clay, yeah. DC Talk, all that stuff. Yeah, that was late nineties. Yeah, that was so, in my high school years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like my early, my late middle school, early high school years. Was, okay, all that stuff was pretty prominent, and I was going to a, a Baptist church back home that, like, the youth group really pushed that stuff. So really, yeah. So whenever whenever we do music on Sundays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays, and like we're at church all the time. Okay. Um, it was that kind of stuff. It wasn't like old hymns. It was... Oh, wow. You know, the band was was rocking, which was kind of like, I think that was the big introduction for me taking music seriously was going and playing because they would, you know, they'd just kind of outsource whoever was in the, the youth group at the time yeah. to, to play. Yep. So that got me going with, with bands, I think, really early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I was just like always making a band in high school or something. Wow. Playing about all the bands or doing whatever. So that was a big, big push there for the yeah. music side of it. Do you know what a power chord is on a guitar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. That's all I know. Um, That's all you need there was, to know. There was that one DC Talk uh, song. So I had a guitar as a kid too. I'd always wanted to like learn the guitar. I'm not a musician. My mom made us take piano lessons and I always hated it. And she just thought that her reason for making us take piano lessons was actually so that we would learn how to read music and we would sing. So we grew up in church also, but we went to a Mennonite church who was a cappella. We had no okay. piano, no organ, no, no instruments or drums or anything. Uh, but it was like four part harmony. And, um, all I ever like could sing was bass. Like I couldn't really sing tenor. It was too high and, and, and all that. But, um, but uh, so she made us take piano lessons, and then finally 
she let me take some guitar lessons. So I did. And like, I never like made it past the very much the beginner stage, but I learned a buddy taught me power chords on that one DC talk song. It's like, dum, 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 I can't remember the name of the song right now. Um, well, that's all I remember is like I had those th- those three or four power chords, and still occasionally if I go grab the guitar, I can still remember the power chords. It doesn't yeah. sound very good, but it's like oh, if you would hear it, it's like yeah, that's that DC Talk song from back in the day. Well, yeah, that stuff will come <laughs> back. I yeah, and yeah, I also remember about DC Talk. It's so funny that you were kind of in that world too, because I remember a DC Talk album on a cassette tape in our tan Ford Ranger driving home and someone had snuck the tape because we weren't really supposed to have that kind of music yeah, yeah. um i mean sort of worse sort of warrant like it was it was kind of frowned upon but kind of okay you know it was just kind of right on that gray area <laughs> and a friend had snuck us that dc talk tape and i just remember playing it like nonstop to and from school when i was like 16 <laughs> or 17 <laughs> dc talk man jesus freak back in the day yeah yeah that was the yeah that was the big one that so was that you, big push too around them where obviously like there was secular music going on and there were the christian bands that were like approved by yeah you know like the life yeah christian church stuff so there was always like if you love nirvana you'll love yes jars of clay yes. or something so they no, i always, remember that exact same storyline yeah, yeah so like that same time too like we we're listening to that stuff and it's great there's still like cool things about it but we go on church trips or something, and I was buying like Stone Temple Pilots records. And, oh yeah, like, having to hide them and stuff. So <laughs> it was a it was an interesting time. Yeah, Deftones. I was really into Deftones when they came okay. out, like like the real heavy stuff. And yeah, got a got a very interesting mix of music through yep. high school. Audio Adrenaline was back yeah. then too, right? Yeah. Jars of Clay. I mean, Jars of Clay had some good songs, honestly. Yeah, they had some um, great songs. there's a bunch to, of like kind of punk rock and ska yeah. bands that came out. Like, yes, I was in a bunch of ska bands, like the Full Horn section and everything. Okay, like, um, which was fun. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of like Christian based bands like that that were coming out. Which was that was the heyday so for random. that type of thing. Yeah, but that's sort of cooled off, hasn't it, Andrew? You're what mid twenties. Late 20s, actually. Late 20s? Mm-hmm. 20 what? Uh, 29. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, 28. I'm okay. My own age. Live on um, air. Do, like, were you, were you in on the DC talk days and all that? You would have been a touch younger. Big time. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days, man. So at this point, you're playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you're singing. Yep. And any, were you doing any other instruments in these church bands? Um, every now and then, I'd play bass. Because it was like really simple stuff, and it'd be like, "Hey, we don't have anybody to play this week, and you play." It'd be like, "All right, okay. I'll try it." So it was very, um, not what I do now, but okay, kind of taking a stab at it just because they needed somebody for. Did you get places. lessons, or just does a friend teach you, or not on you bass? Learn it? Like that was just it was kind of guitar. I had okay on guitar. I did lessons for a little bit. Um, one. I can't even remember what year it was, but probably about six weeks of lessons. Um, okay. They were a little too expensive for us at the time. Okay. So uh, got some good basic stuff from a, a guy back home named Mike Barnes, and mm. he play, he's played with a bunch of people in town. He's like a you know kind of well-known guitar player, especially there, and played with Warren Haynes a bunch. And, okay. Um, pretty sure he still teaches, I think. Um but yeah, I did a couple lessons with him early on, which kind of got me that basic setup. But I this think is the, for guitar, not for bass. guitar. Yeah, I see. Um, yep. 
And then the rest came from playing in church, playing with other people in high school and stuff, and kind of learning from playing with other people. Yeah. And the bass was just like, hey, this is... At the time, they were like, "This is this is like guitar. Just play the play the one note." And I was like, "All right, cool. I can do that." <laughs> so uh, I had enough information to kind of pick it up and mess with it, which is okay. Kind of how the three doors thing started too. Many years later, I had enough to kind of pick it up and get get started. And yeah, it's been a learning process ever since. So, were you? What's interesting about that is you had six weeks of lessons. I had six weeks of guitar lessons. Easy. I probably had more than that. And I just never went, like, when I say I never went anywhere with guitar, that's exactly, that's, that's, it is what it sounds like. It's not good. So do you think it's in the blood or in your blood or do you just think that you had that, you had that drive, you had enough of talent, but also that inner drive that you would just play around with the guitar and toy around with it. And I guess back then you wouldn't even watch YouTube videos, right? I mean, no, it wasn't really no a thing. Yet. It was no, no YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> did you have buddies that you would like go around and play with or how did you like, or did you just sit down and just start to teach yourself the guitar. Yeah, I think that was the thing. There was a lot of other friends that were playing. Um, and I always tell people, like, I, I don't think I have a whole lot of, like, natural talent. Like, I've never been a savant. It's something like I just pick it up and play. I've got mm-hmm. friends who can. Yep. Um, i got to work really hard at, like, everything. Okay. So I think that was the big thing. Maybe that is my talent that I can, like, work yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but I had a, a huge passion to do it. I always wanted to play live. I always wanted to be on stage performing for people and I kind of knew I had to keep getting better and better and better okay. and um, I always just kind of learned from everybody around me and okay. at the time then especially I was always around bands like everybody was playing like I said in church or at high school stuff like I was always kind of immersed in other people who were learning too or getting better than me mm-hmm. or whatever it was and I just absorbed everything I could mm-hmm. I think that was that was the big thing was was learning from other people and then I'd sit at home and kind of mess around and then I, I, I noticed like every now and then I'd get lucky finding something by ear. Okay. And um yeah, I think it was kind of just a big big mix of that. You listen to a lot of music too? Yeah. Sound like your dad liked music, so yeah. if he would play a lot of music, you would listen to it. Did he play guitar at all? No, he just sang. Interesting. Yeah. So you grew up in a house like you were the only one. Yeah, it's the only one was- still the only one playing instruments. But oh wow. Does your um, sister sing too? Yeah, she sings. She's got an amazing voice. Oh yeah, yeah. She can sing her ass off. Yeah, um, that's great. So, did you? You were like, what were you like, thirteen or fourteen when Three Doors Down came out with Kryptonite? Yeah, like you so, were low teens. Yeah, so this was over twenty years ago now. Dang. So, yeah, so, did you? Did you start to do some solo stuff, then got into Three Doors, or mm. was Three Doors sort of like? the beginning of your career and, and then you started getting some solo stuff after that um i'd always played in bands um as soon as i got out of high school i didn't go to college well i went to college for like a semester and a half oh yeah and, um right before that i'd started a band with some friends back home and we immediately started like actually playing shows in town and touring okay and, um Right before I got out of high school, I was going to a lot of local shows. Like, at the time, we had a big rock scene back home. Like, everybody was into heavy metal stuff. And, okay. Um, always wanted to, like, be on stage playing with them. And ended up starting this band. And we did that for, like, nine years. But we got to do some cool stuff and travel and, and do all that. So, um, 
I think the desire to do some solo stuff was there towards the end, but I was always in bands. So okay. I always saw myself as like just kind of a side guy, learning, playing guitar, playing lead, doing okay. some backup vocals or something. And everything kind of led up to the three-door stuff, and then that also opened doors for me to do my solo stuff. I see. When you were playing bands, was it mostly guitar, sometimes bass, or was it half guitar, half bass? It was all guitar. How'd you wind up in three doors if you weren't like an accomplished (laughs) bass player? This makes no sense. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So fast forward from 18 to, I guess I was like 26 or 27 once I joined the band. Um, It's 27. And the old band, we had a little bit of success here and there doing some stuff. We got to do some cool things. We toured a bunch, like all kind of self-funded DIY punk rock stuff. Um, we got to open for Slash, which was cool, and Corn Drowning Pool. Like, wow, do some kind of weird, random things here and there, but it, it never really took off. And in that same time, um, old band and Three Doors got the same management here in town, which was mm. crazy. And one of my best friends was working for the management company. And he got us hooked up with Chris Henderson, the guitar player for Three Doors. Yeah. Um, he's got a studio out in Hendersonville that they've had for years. And he started recording my old band because it was cool. It was the manager or Chris Henderson? Chris Henderson, the guitar player. Has a studio in Hendersonville? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, three of the guys live out there and they all work out at the studio. To this day they do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Everybody's based here. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, Brad, our singer's out in Murfreesboro and then... Three guys in Hendersonville. I'm out in Hermitage. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good spot to be in. Yeah. I mean, when it's we used to also, tour, of <laughs> it's easy to get uh, right. in and out. Yep. Um, but yeah, the uh, studio there. He was recording my band. It was a lot of you know, like kind of heavy southern rock stuff and whiskey and the devil and screaming and all that and loved it. We had a lot of fun. But uh, well, um. We need to fix our door out there. <laughs> People leaving it out. It's it's like a loud. This is a concrete building, mm-hmm. and it's a metal door. So it's like the worst of all worlds. I mean, it's, <laughs> a lot of echoes. It is. Yeah. Um, what's the same? Uh, yeah. So, whenever you started recording us um, around that same time, I started coming over here, writing country. I wasn't living here yet, but I was coming over because I'd kind of reignited my passion for country. And, okay. Um. Got a couple weird opportunities to do some stuff, and then a guy named James House, um, he's a writer, wrote a bunch of stuff for Diamond Rio, Dwight Yoakam, Martina McBride, a um, bunch of Joe Bonamassa stuff. Like he's, mm. he's an interesting songwriter. He's still out there doing it, which is cool. But um, he took me under his wing for about a year and a half and kind of taught me how Nashville songwrites mm. with uh, different people in a room and instead of just like writing this stream of consciousness weird stuff that yep you know like you kind of do whenever you first get started kind of helped me hone in that stuff and write things that people actually wanted to listen to okay and how to write stuff for other people and tell a story and mm-hmm. melody and composition all that good stuff that um you kind of figure out so i was over here a lot um, had the same management as Three Doors, so we were kind of constantly doing random stuff when I'd come to town. Like I'd go to a record release that they did, or they'd have something oh, going I on see. in town, and I was just kind of kept up that relationship with everybody. Okay, and um, 
also do leather work. So with the our charity that the band's been running for 16 years now, um, they asked me to do like make flasks or wallets or something as like VIP things for the people whenever we did. Three Doors or your band? Three Doors. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Sorry, I should have specified that. But yep. um, it's called the Better Life Foundation. It's a really okay. cool charity. But um, so I was just kind of always around like different events and kept up that relationship with everybody in the band and management and people behind the scenes and stuff. Like everybody just kind of knew me. So mm-hmm. fast forward a couple more years and their bass player got in some trouble here in town and they fired him and they called me. They were like, hey, man, we know you're not a total screw up. Do you think you could figure out bass within the next three weeks. <laughs> Holy Absolutely. cow. So um sat down, learned as much as I possibly could, enough to at least like fake it through some songs. And, okay. Um, came here, we played a song, and they were like, cool, let's go to Moscow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So first show and then tour I did was Moscow, Russia, and then we did a month in Europe. That was your first tour? Yep. Moscow, and then you went to to Europe for a month. Yeah. After they said about three or four weeks prior, hey, man, you want to be bass player for our band, Three Doors Down? Yeah. Go learn the bass, and then let's go on tour for a month. Yeah. I was... uh, was Dang, man. (laughs) Talk about baptism by fire. I mean, seriously, that is insane. I had a... Whatever they call it, I was at... A restaurant I was working at back home. Uh, you were like, in Nashville at the time. Yeah. I was oh, in okay. You were not moved, living not in Nashville at the time. Yet. No. Oh, I see. Okay, I was you coming were living back in Nashville. And forth. You would come back and forth a lot. Yeah. And and you were coming over here to sort of learn the industry, get around the people. Yeah. Uh, you were writing some songs or learning about that. So that's what was bringing you here. It, yeah. it was not yeah. three doors down specifically. Not not three doors specifically. Right. Yet. So. Yeah. I'd been coming over like almost every weekend for a year and a half. Like I'd get off work and I'd drive over, songwrite for like two days and then drive back. And And when you'd songwrite for a couple of days, that was mostly your all country? Yeah, that was all country. So at this point, at this point, you're on track for just kind of expanding your career in in country music. Yeah. Well, I guess not expanding because you weren't doing necessarily country before that, but like you were on a country music trajectory. That's what was bringing you to Nashville. Yeah, I didn't really know it. But yeah, it definitely was. I see. And then the three doors thing happened. And you remember where you were at when you got the phone call? Yeah. Um, our guitar player, Chris, um, he called me. He was like, hey, man, take this serious. He was like, we, you know, we're serious about you. It's not a joke. Like, take yeah. it serious and do everything you can to figure this out. And I was like, all right. So did any part of you be like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I sh- if I can do this. Or was it just like... Heck yeah, let's go. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Like I, I think I had that um that weird like I don't know, honestly. Um I mean that's a lot of pressure. Like, man. like thinking about it now, there's like is it such a like it's second nature now to like, sure. just go play and do stuff right. with them. But that was definitely like the biggest opportunity that I'd ever had. And yeah. um I'm sure I second guessed myself a ton. I had, you know, no idea what I was doing, but I knew I was going to work hard and give it every chance I possibly could. Yeah. How at this point though, how proficient are you on the bass? Like you could, you can play it. You were decent, or you really didn't 
you weren't proficient really at all when you just I could learned play. Um, okay there was like i could get through the songs and make it sound like okay like i wasn't hitting the nuances of like like what a drummer would be like hey man like this guy's a great bass player okay but, like yeah um someone just listening and like, like it, it it sounded like the songs it wasn't yeah it wasn't like what's this guy doing yeah it's like, i see it worked okay and um it wasn't anywhere near where I wanted to be with it. Okay. And um, like I said, like with bass, you always, you play with the drummer. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of stuff when I first started because Greg, our drummer, is like a phenomenal drummer, phenomenal musician across the board. And um, he knows how it's supposed to sound and what's okay. supposed to be there. So the the first couple of years was very like, we were always kind of not really fighting, but it was okay. like, you're doing it wrong. Come on. And would it he come like, to you after the show? And yeah. Be like, yeah. Dude. Like we, we, we talked a lot about okay. everything, which um, was a, a huge benefit for me yep. going into it and, and learning. Cause I always came from guitar. So like I'm playing stuff and I'm like playing the right notes. Yeah. Like I'm not playing anything out of time. Like this sounds right. And but whenever you got like a really great drummer who can yeah. tell when it's like, hey, this is this beat needs to be here, this needs to be here, you're yep. like, I didn't even know I was doing anything wrong. So, I see. Yep. Um, that definitely helped. Uh, I guess turn me more into a bass player. Okay. With with that stuff because it's just it's similar chords. You're doing some similar things as a guitar, so yep. Um, you can get through it, but. Translating to actually being a bass player is like a totally different mindset. So getting out of lead guitar player and focusing more on bass was something that with his help I had to like really focus on and achieve and yes. work towards again, not just like, oh cool, I'm just pick this up and I can play. Like I had to like completely learn like a separate skill. Right. Was it hard to kind of maintain a good working relationship with him if he was always like giving you pointers and, and telling you what went, what could have been a little better or, or if you screwed up or whatever, was it like harder to have that kind of gel with him because he was working with you so closely or not necessarily? I think um, at the beginning when we didn't really know each other, yeah, like we knew each other, but we never like played music together. Sure. And I think um, when you're in a situation where you're playing like, a stadium somewhere and like yeah like you're very particular about how this is supposed to sound like we we definitely butted heads for a while because i'd you know we'd get done be like that was great and he'd be like that was shit no way and like we would it was we'd never really fight but it was always like yeah we talking about man I, like i didn't i didn't do anything wrong and then okay you find out you know like it's like no this is this is how this is supposed to be yeah so i think initially when we were trying to figure out how to communicate it was kind of heated sometimes okay and yeah, can, i mean i it, can imagine it'd get very frustrating for me because i'd be like okay like, i don't know what i'm doing wrong like but i played all the notes right like yeah it was a great set everybody loved it but there's that level of professionalism again that you get into where it's like now this needs to be even better and I, I, looking back on it now i'm like it's just made me even better at what i'm doing now sure because he was hard yep. on me for it. Yeah, so that tough love is like it's made you better in the long term. Yeah. And have you? Been, how many years have you been with him now? Going on eight. Going on eight years. So was it like in? It was like in 2013. Is that when you joined? Four, mm -hmm. 14? Uh, 13. 13. 
So you're 35 now, seven or eight years ago. You're like 27, 28 years old when you came on board with um, Three Doors. So how old were were the other guys? At that point, it would be three other members in the band, right? Yeah. Were they... All roughly the same age, and if so, kind of how much older than you? I'm picturing that they're old, older. Everybody's anyway. about ten years older than me. I see. Close, close to okay. ten. Okay. Um, I think Brad just turned forty-three, so he's not ten years older. He's he's yeah. the other young younger guy. But I see. And he's been in there the whole time. He was very young when the band got started. So. Yep. Um. And then one other the the other one other guy has been there the whole time as well, right? Yeah, Chris. Chris, Chris, and, Chris then, and Brad have been there since the beginning. Yeah, and then Greg, he's been there since basically the beginning. He's I he's see. like the second drummer I think they had, but he's been there for a very long time. I see. So so these three guys have been playing together for a long time. Yeah. And the bass player before you, remind me of his last name again? Uh, it's Todd Harrell. Yeah, Todd Harrell. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and he was with them for like. A yeah, dozen he, years plus, right? He he started the band with Brad. Like, he started like, even the band. like way back, back, like, hey, let's go play in the garage, man, kind of stuff. So so he needed to to drop out, and here comes this new guy. He's younger. He's not. He's not like he hasn't toured internationally playing the bass before. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Now he's joining the band. I mean, how were you received? I mean that that's such a. I mean, I'm just, that's such a abrupt, here we go, boys, you know, and to yeah. join a band where like four of them had been together for a long, long time and now one's out and you're in, that just seems like a, that seems like that could be difficult, but you know, I don't think it would need to be, but it seems like a challenging situation. How, how was it like kind of melting in there and becoming part of the band? Um, it was a lot easier than I thought. Um, okay. And there's there's challenges here and there, but um, I think for the most part, the w- the way he left and the way I came in, it wasn't like they kicked him out and yeah, he went and started another band or something. Right. And they're like, oh my god, why'd you guys do this? It was pretty definitive, yeah, that he was going to be gone and not coming back. So yeah. I think that helped a little bit with the transition, and then. Like people just like luckily for me, the fans have always been very supportive and excited. Like the the fans that Three Doors has are awesome. Like oh, yeah. some of the best fans that I've ever seen any any band have. And they they latch on support like every member for whatever anything that's going on, they they love it. Oh yeah? Yeah. And um and then they love the band as a whole. I think they're gotten very lucky obviously there's a lot of um you know the, like fans are going to latch on to certain people that they like more or whatever yeah. but it, as a whole they love the band okay and it's many forms that it's had over the right. years and so you've got to you've got to win over the hearts of the other band members because it's going to be a long life if everyone in the band hates you or you know half of them do it. like yeah. that's just not that's yeah. not going to work, probably. But then you've also got to win over the hearts of all the fans. Like that's yep. a whole other, a whole other thing. What was sort of your mentality coming into the band to like win over the hearts of the band members and then also the fans? Like just kind of like you know listening first and speaking slowly, like whatever they need, kind of, or you just kind of come in like this is me, take it or leave it, and same with the fans. Like what was your mentality coming into that? Um. I- 
I don't think I had like a, a strategy or anything. I was just myself. Um, tend to get along with most people, yep. <laughs> and I'm a pretty easygoing guy anyway. So there's not like a like a battling ego thing there. Right. And like I said before, I try to learn from every single thing or person that I come in contact with. So I think it was a good mix of me having a pretty easygoing temperament, but also going into a situation that I knew I needed to learn a lot pretty fast. Yes. And like, not just like to play music, but also how to like function in a professional sense on the road in a way that I'd never been on the road before. Yes. Like flying buses, like flying several times a day to different places and maintaining that attitude because you learn really quick when you're around and you got, you know, like 25 people that you're traveling with every single day. Um, one really shitty attitude will affect yeah. the whole thing. Like it, it trickles down pretty quick. That. And um, so, I mean, like we're human, people still end up having bad days and it's, it's tough to hide. But um, for the most part, I think you, you kind of end up putting aside any kind of weird petty stuff. Yeah. Just because, you know, it's like, everybody getting along and and not being miserable out here is way more important than like being mad that the last diet coke has gone out of the yeah. refrigerator or something. like it's it, there's that's what it comes down yeah. to bro the little yeah. stuff so um i think before too playing in in bands where i was you know in a van driving and playing a basement or a bar somewhere with four people that are all drinking way too much in my early 20s yeah taught me a lot of patience. Okay. Anyway, so I think I think I had a ton of patience, a willingness to learn mm-hmm. and a drive to be more prof- more professional and successful. Okay. than I was. So, mm-hmm. I think um it was a good mix of that and also I think the band kind of came from a similar aspect where they were you know, at one point they were all in separate buses, they weren't getting along, like there was a lot of Tension because they did, you know, a lot of guys grew up together mm. and um, they've been doing it for years. So I think at the time that I came in, especially when uh, Chet, the other guitar player, he came in a couple of years before I did. Um, I think a lot of that attitude wanted to change. I think everybody mm. was excited to be able to get along. I see. Yeah. So there was a point a few years before you came on board where three doors would travel in multiple buses because the guys didn't really want to spend that much time in that close proximity to each other. Yeah. And I I think it was, you know, um, I wasn't there, so I don't speak on it too much, but, um, yeah, there was a separation. I think that kind of, I I think a lot of bands go through it at different times when they get, um, like wildly successful and the money's there to be able to do something like that. Where you're like, get my own bus. Like, fuck y'all. I'm going to go. Okay. Yes. So, um, I'll see you on stage and then never see you again until we're back on stage. Interesting. So, um, how does that play out in the show? When when a band is successful enough to be like, screw you, I'm taking my own bus, meet you there, and they come on and and but it's game time and so they play. Like, how much of that translates in the event? Like, is it just there's that extra little bit of magic that you just don't have? It's still good. It's still great. And presumably at this point, like you mentioned, they're the bands that have the ability to do this or successful, they're making money. So, you know, and if you're at that level, like I feel like people are willing to overlook some stuff too, maybe because you just have that level of popularity. But 
is there is there any additional magic that comes out on the stage when the guys are just gelling, you know, even during the day, much better? I like to think so, but um, I think it's something that, that fans would never notice. Interesting. Like, I think, um, yeah. like, seeing other bands that are really big, like you see some, like, I don't even know who to compare it to now, but um, sure. you're doing a job, there's money there, it's not... It's it'd be like working in an office with with people. There's probably yep. going to be people that you can't stand, and you still got to get your job done. Yeah, you still got to do some stuff. And I, I I feel like that would be the situation because I, I okay. can't really compare it to something else that I've done because the whole time I've been in Three Doors, we we're always together. And okay. If there's ever an issue or something, like we hash it out right then and there. And okay. I feel like that. I think that's probably the big aspect of it is. We have everybody separated all the time. Those irritations can really like fester. Sure. Because you don't have to ever really confront them until you're right there on stage. And then yeah. you can go back and sit in your little echo chamber and be mad at somebody and then yep. see them again. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. Yep. And I think the big benefit that I've seen over the years of everybody, at least in the band, being together is if there's ever an issue it's sorted out real fast okay. and that's it. And then we'll go about our day and yep. there's not a whole lot of stuff that, that would linger for three or four weeks and then blow up and it's this whole ordeal. It's like, you know, yeah. someone's irritated about something. It's, it's usually pretty quick and done. And, yep. and I think, I think that keeps us all a lot closer. And I think it like for me, it, it translates in the show cause you, right. You know, you're up there jamming and having fun instead of being up there like, I can't wait to get away from this guy. Yeah, and it like feels good. And yeah. you're vibing and gelling and it's not, you're not having to like put on an act. It would seem to me like that's definitely the better case scenario. But it's also not surprising that you say, look, if a band's going through a rough spot where they're really not gelling during the day, they just get on stage and they they do the work. Yeah. And you're And you're going to, as a guitar player, you're going to be like, moving around on stage with a smile on your face, like looking like you're having, we probably are having a good time. Yeah. Like you're all just doing your work together and no one really knows that you hate each other during the day in yeah. that period of time. And I think too, like with, with that, it's, it's not about us, it's about the fans. So even if I'm having an irritated day for whatever reason, like as soon as I get on stage, I'm like, I've got to shut that stuff out. Yes. Because I like, I'm here for these fans. They, they don't know what's going on. They don't know that I'm mad about something and catering yep. being gone or some dumb shit. Yep. Um, and you don't want to translate that to them. Yes. You don't want to translate that negativity to them because they're there. It's probably like the the best thing they've done all month. They've been looking forward to it. They're excited. They paid money to see you. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that you just put aside. And I've, I've done it, you know, with – with three doors and also with my solo stuff, like there, there's times you go and it's like irritated about something or something didn't go exactly as planned and you put it aside because it's about the fans, it's about them enjoying it, it's about their night, not yours. Yeah, exactly. Is that easy to do? I, I feel like it would be. Like performing at that level, that's that's in people's blood right do you thrive on that yeah i thrive or, on that big is time. there ever a time where it's like uh we're on stage and it's like man come on man get it together act like you're having fun and you just sort of like get through the night or is it like sometimes i mean obviously you're gonna have good days and bad days and on the bad days it's like oh man you're tired or you're whatever it is you, you just don't feel as into it 
but when you hit the stage, it immediately comes on. Does it always immediately come on, or do sometimes you have to kind of work into it? I think every now and then you got to work into it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a, a completely like on-off switch. I think, um, especially sometimes you go and you play something that's like, man, I've been looking forward to this all all week. This is going to be a huge show. And for whatever reason, you go out there and everybody's just like staring at you. Oh, like yeah? Total dud crowd. Yeah. And then, you know, six, seven songs, you're like, damn, what's wrong with these people? Are they okay? okay. Like, why, why is everybody just staring at me? This is awkward. And I think like you start thinking about it too much and then okay. you just got to push through that. And then other times you go out and be having a, you know, the exact opposite. You'd be like, I'm bummed out. I'm yep. not having a great day, whatever. And you got everybody's going crazy. So and I you think just it, feed off of that. Yeah, I, th- I think the whole thing is just constant roller coaster of human emotion. No matter where you are, whatever it is, like if you let it, one thing will ruin your show or yeah, make your show. Or it's it's all it's all very unpredictable. Yeah, there's a chemistry to that. There's like an intangible to that. There's yeah. um um. I was I was watching Post Malone, I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast this summer, talking about like what it's like when you are performing to fifteen thousand people. And he's like, You have no idea. Like it's like yeah. you are it's like somehow fifteen thousand people, you're in the moment with fifteen thousand people and you're all sort of together and you feel that energy. And he's just like, It's the best thing in the world. Absolutely. I mean, that must is that have you played in front of fifteen thousand people? By the way, like oh yeah, we played in front of. I think the biggest one was when we did the inauguration. There was, I think it was like over two hundred thousand. Golly, in was, person, yeah, in person. And we were, plus, we there's had, millions on TV, right? Yeah, so it was all it was obviously televised, and then it went out. We we played at uh, Lincoln Memorial. Yep, on the steps there, and then it went all the way out to the Washington Monument. You, it was just people all like. I can't believe, dang! Like, I, like it went so far back that you couldn't even see that it was people anymore. It was just kind of this shadow that went all the way out, and they had TVs going the whole way down. And then right in front of us, it was easily a hundred thousand people out through there um, with all the like the main guests, like the military guests, and all that different stuff. And then the first family, and like all the everybody that was there, it was just more people than I've ever been in front of. And before and, that, we had done like Download Fest, which was like eighty, ninety thousand, and did um the Boy Scout Jamboree, which was like eighty-seven thousand something people, and the King of Sweden was there. Apparently, he's like a big Boy Scout supporter. Like he's got chapters all over Sweden, and um done like sixty thousand randomly, and uh, it's called like Taste of Blue Ash Festival up in Ohio. They had like sixty six thousand people there first one night. Dang, random. Now, if you're gonna play at a stadium, like not not something special, but just like a an average tour stop, whatever that may be, if there is such a thing, like how many people are at those shows? Um, kind of depends on what what we're doing, but if it's like a like a big tour with other bands, it's usually like six to ten, six to ten thousand yeah, people. Yeah. Okay, a lot of places you end up with more. Just kind of depends yep. on the 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 setup. Sure. So um, if you're if you're doing like a full on concert with another band and six to ten thousand people there, a lot of times it'd be like I'm picturing just something like maybe like at the Bridgestone Arena, mm-hmm. like a venue like that. 
Yeah, exactly. Played, played a lot of those. Common. Okay. Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of stuff like um, a sand amphitheater. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I think they call those like sheds. So it's yep. like a big, big stage with a, a lawn out in front. Gotcha. We play a ton of those. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you're playing those types of things, I picture that being a little bit different than like certainly playing at the inauguration or playing at some of these other festivals. Yeah. It's just like that's a concert, right? And the yeah. other thing, it's a little bit more like an event. There's other things going on and those types yeah. of things. I'm sure they're great each in their own right, but is still sort of your favorite just to go like play a full concert to 10,000 people or are the festivals and inaugurations is like that your most favorite part? Um, they all have different stuff that's really cool about them. Um, I don't think I have like a particular one because like okay. with my solo stuff, I go play a bar for 50 people and I yeah. still love it. I still get excited. Okay. I still love performing and playing music. So um there's different aspects of it that are really cool. I think um, with the big events, you lose a little bit of that connection because everything's that's what I pretty was, far away. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought maybe. Yeah, so even stuff like Download Fest over in um, England, it's 100,000 people easy, and they're probably like 60, 50-something feet away from you from the stage because there's this okay. huge gap where they keep the crowd back. And gotcha. So everybody out there is like real small anyways. Yeah. And cool. And then it's just this kind of sea of dots that's moving around. So um, you lose a bit of that like personal connection where you're like playing like rocking out with people up front. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. Jamming. So right. you kind of lose some of that, but it's still like it's the energy of 100,000 people in front of you. And, Dang. Um, we've done a lot of acoustic tours that are like theaters. So, oh yeah, three know, like, doors has. Yeah, um, we've done quite a few because we did one and it was successful and it was cool and the fans loved it. Oh, it's wow. uh, it's not full acoustic; it's just kind of stripped down. And, I um, see. We did those in like kind of historic theaters all over the country and in Canada, um, and that was cool because it's like very personal. It's it's still yeah. like two three thousand people in a in a theater, but um, totally different level of that too because right. it's, it's energy it's exciting but it's stripped down a little bit and then people are like right there there's yeah. a lot of times the seats are like this close oh so, wow yeah that is and, really um, cool we did a whole thing for a couple of those acoustic tours where the fans could sit on stage it was like a VIP package Ooh, so then we'd have like yeah. couches no way and people sitting around us which was like a whole other thing because they're like right there just that is staring awesome at you, which was cool it's um, very cool I'm just picturing when you're playing at a concert with another band and people have it's the best night of their month probably and they've been looking forward to this and pl- they play good money they're here because of three doors down like yeah. they have come to listen and jam out and rock out and have a good time with their friends or whoever they're with and they just want to get in the zone with three doors and they're they're fans like that's why yeah. they're here whereas at, at a the inauguration is like they're there for the inauguration and then it's oh it's very cool that three doors is here but like there's other stuff going on yeah just seems to me like there's a magic about playing like in a concert in a stadium that's why they're there and you can just got you can just share that evening with with everyone yeah and um and that's a cool feeling too like doing doing those acoustic things or doing like a shed stadium tour or anything that it's it's cool it's like they're they're here for us yeah and that's cool yeah like it's um Play well. We've played a ton of festivals too, some of the big rock festivals, and there's a lot of people there. But you still got your core fans that are down there. That like, hey, I'm gonna go see Three Doors Down at six o'clock. They're they're playing this stage, and like they come up, and then there's just a lot of people waiting on other bands. Okay. Still a ton of energy. Still really cool. But 
whenever you you go to a big venue and it's sold out and you're the headliner, that's pretty cool. That's a good feeling. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. It's a really good feeling. Did you ever feel, do you get nervous before you play? Do you ever feel like, feel like you um, go throw up or something like that? No, never that much. Um, definitely get nervous, but I think it's a little more now like nervous excitement. Oh, like yeah? You're about to do something cool or exciting or like it's the, um, it's not nervous like, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. Don't put me in front of people. I'm not ready. It's yeah. like, you know, excited. That you can start about, to feel yeah. that energy. Yeah. And I think that, that just comes with, with playing and um, having the confidence to get up there and do that stuff. So yeah. um, still get excited. It's fun. It's just a different different kind of nervous, I guess. Sure. Yeah. No, I, no, that makes sense. When you flew to Russia with the band, this is your first gig. At that point, is Three Doors using private jets or flying commercial? We flew commercial. Okay. So we had... 20 people, 25 people for that tour. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So you fly over there and obviously you've had some rehearsals or pr- probably, you know, you know, played the instruments or got together a little bit on stateside and yep. all right, we're ready now. Yeah. We, we rehearsed here in Hendersonville for about two weeks. I see. And then, um, but I mean, you're rehearsing in like studios or whatever, like you're not rehearsing in front of large amounts of people. No. So you fly to <laughs> Russia and just put on a big show. Yeah. And, um, is is do they have a? I mean, they obviously have a a pretty good international pres- presence. Was Moscow? Does does Russia happen to be like one of those countries that's like really into Three Doors, or is there other countries that are yeah, more into it? I think they're of they're really into rock music in general. Um, hmm. So they show up when because it's it's not it's still not easy to go over there and put on a tour. Like no matter who okay. you are, really. Um, because of the Russian laws and everything, or well, yeah, and logistics and. Um, just traveling in and out yeah. of that that country in particular. Um, yeah. They're pretty hardcore about who comes in and out of that place. Even if you're visiting with visas and everything, like it's not you can't just like show up and be like, Hey, we're coming to Russia. Yeah. Let's go play. Like there's like a whole process and visas and um there's a whole thing like you can't I can't remember if it's in or out of the country. You can't just drive a bus in there. Like you can't just be like, hey, we got the bus company meeting us in Moscow because you can't just take an empty bus into Russia and then leaving the country. I guess they don't want you going in trying to get people out of the country. No or way, something. dude. Yeah, that's but, terrifying. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's an interesting place, man. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's an interesting place. And, what are uh, the people like when you were there? Like, I just picture them as being. I don't know. I guess just I picture being very cold a lot and just the people being maybe a little bit more abrasive. Yeah, uh, I think that's just their culture anyways, okay. um, under years of communist rule. Sure. Um, and I wouldn't say people were unfriendly, but it's not like, like in me, like growing up in the South, I like wave at everybody, like yeah. hold the door for people. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yep. Like, what's up, y'all? Like to everybody. And yeah. I've, I've never, you know, never thought anything different of it until I start going to like New York or something. Then you're like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. People are not as friendly. No, they're um, not. <laughs> but uh, Moscow was definitely like you don't. They don't have like a big tourism side of that. Like people yeah. don't just go like, "Hey, let's uh, let's, let's go spring break in Moscow." Right, that's so, true. Uh, yeah, like foreigners, I think really stick out big time there. I and, see. Um, I wouldn't say they're like like grouchy or anything, but like it's just like 
very no nonsense I see. whenever you go That's and, how I picture it. Like whenever you wander around doing anything and you don't really see anybody smiling because for a long time if you're smiling you're up to something and in the middle of the night someone knock on your door and Dang, drag man. you off to a gulag. Uh, so I think there was just culturally it's not as like a warm yeah. group of people. Yeah. So there's different times like we because we were in a hotel for like four or five days like doing different stuff once we got into Moscow before the show. Okay. So we had some rehearsals and we had like a day off from the flights because we had like 24 hours of flights almost right. getting in there. So we didn't go straight into a play in the show, but um, got the bartender to kind of loosen up like while we we're down there. Nice. Early on after you saw us for like three days. And yep. um, yeah, I just don't think it's like a, a real like warm. Yeah, that's how I picture is, it too. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're like, mean people but okay it's just not in the culture to be yeah no it makes total friendly. sense kind of like when you go to seattle okay not the, not the friendliest people in the world <laughs> oh yeah? yeah i don't think i've ever kinda. i have been through seattle but i've never spent much time there yeah i got the when we've played there a bunch and i'm not you know knocking too hard on it but you definitely like when you go to places it's not it's not as like i never heard that people in seattle were just not as friendly huh yeah interesting but like, i've, been, you I've compa- encountered Interesting. Would you compare it to like New York City, or it's even worse than that? It's it's probably about the same. I think, okay. Uh, well, no, they're probably a little grouchier. Because I actually grouchy. don't. What I like, I what I like about New York City is people are just very open and honest. Like if they don't like you, they just tell you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. And and I I mean I grew up in upstate New York. We had five hours to the city, but um, you know I I don't I like when people. I'd much rather someone just is up in my face. As opposed to being friendly and then talking about me behind my back, you know. So yeah. the New Yorker thing, and there's so many people there. But what's interesting about Seattle is this, there's not nearly as many people there. And and but I mean, why wouldn't you be grouchy? It rains all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, I think it, it's it's cold and rainy. <laughs> it's like that uh, that kind of abrasive New Yorker thing, but then with like heavy sarcasm or something. Oh, like, I it's, see. It's a, yeah, so it's even like the little. It's like. Yeah. That jab. Yeah. So I, I just. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, <laughs> can't describe it. Favorite place. Without trying to sound like a dick or something. Right. Like, just, <laughs> we'll sit here and judge different. the, we'll sit here and judge the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite places though, that you have played outside the States internationally. Um, love Germany. Really? Yeah, it's, uh, really cool. We, we, we do well there and, um, spent a lot of time in there. So whenever we really? tour in Europe, we end up in Germany for like two or three weeks playing a bunch of the cities there. Oh, wow. And, um, what do you beautiful. like about Germany? It's beautiful. There's a ton of history. I love history. So mm. whenever we, like any city, go check out, you know, whatever's there. Right. And, um, good food, great beer. Yeah. People are friendly. Um, okay. It's a little easier to get around than other places. Like, um, we've been to Japan and Okinawa and... You just, I mean, you look at the language and you're like, yeah, I have no idea where I am or what that sign says at all. Um, Different places in Europe, you can see stuff and be like, oh, it's a restaurant. Cool. What's going there? Like, okay, there's the bar. There's, you know, like you can figure it out a little different. So it makes it a little easier to travel. And um, everybody there knows English pretty much. So um, friendly. It's beautiful. Great food. Yep. Good beer. Um, I've never been to Germany. You were 
when Crypt- Kryptonite came out, Kryptonite was Three Doors da- Three Doors Down's um, first, at least big single, correct? Yeah, or first yeah. single period. That was the first that was, I think it was the first single period. First single. First, that really. I mean, it really rocking. Yeah, I mean, for that to be like one of your first singles or your first single, and just to go, I mean, that is. And when you think about that, that's that's a uh, pretty exceptional. Yeah. And you were like a kid when that came out. I think I was 14 or 15. Did you listen to Three Doors Down in your teenage years or not so much? Yeah, I always liked them. Um, oh, yeah? Like, I have this weird memory of being in the front yard and hearing that song for the first time. And we had the radio on. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I, yeah, like, they were cool. I always liked them. And then yep. years later, like, when my friend Darren started working for their management that ended up being our management. It was like kind of reintroduced to their stuff. Okay. And it was like, this is cool. It's great rock songs. Yeah. Here, when was Here Without Me? When did that come out? Do you remember? Um, Here Without You was like uh, a couple years after Kryptonite, I believe. That was, okay. Because they had other singles in between there that all did well. Okay. And Here Without You was like the next song that was like through the roof and it's still a massive massive song is that you would is that like their biggest would that you think that would be their most well-known song i think between that and kryptonite they're, they're the two biggest and i think now too um here without you still has the most streams on youtube for video stuff like the video i mean it's like in the hundreds of millions of views Dang. and it constantly goes up i think that was a big one um i think too it was like it was after 2001, so we had a lot of people being deployed to mm. Middle East after 9-11. Oh. And, um, that song, I think, really struck a chord with the military. And yep. that, that launched a lot of stuff. Big, yeah. big song after that for a lot of that reason, too. But, I mean, it was a huge, it was a, it was a cross-genre hit at the yes. time whenever you could be a rock band and have pop songs. Yeah. So. I mean, that song, I remember, that's just like a childhood. I remember like being upper teens and just listening to that song. I mean, that just, here without you, baby. I mean, that song just like, (laughs) man, when a song works, it just really works. Like, how do you even explain that? Like, there's a magic to it. And I mean, it's like all these notes already existed. All these words already existed. That space and time already existed, but you take these different things and you orchestrate them and put them together and mix them together with the the music notes and the words and the timing at just the right and you and you and you put it together and you package it and then like that combination of words and notes and timing stays together for the rest of your life. I mean, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah. And uh, Brad's always had a great talent at writing stuff that like people identify with and mm. it's nothing he's not writing some like crazy allegorical thing it's like he just he writes like stuff that people yeah get immediately and latch on to and it's mm. like writing for the common man doesn't sound right but um sure just like relatable i think is stuff that, right like as soon as like whatever he's writing and putting out as soon as you hear that chorus of those verses, people are like, I get that. I identify yes. with that. Yes. And um, that's a that's a whole crazy talent in and of itself. There's a lot of people that can write poetry and different stuff that you're like, what the hell are they mm-hmm. talking about? And it sounds cool. You're like, what is this? Right. And it's a whole other talent to be able to write something that people are like, that's me. 
I'm yeah. living that. I get that. Like yep. that's and that's been a huge a huge reason for the success of the bands. Like the the music's cool and everything, and then like Brad writes stuff that people just get and love and latch on to and it's it becomes like like such a part of their lives. Hmm. And um a big one for that is not my time. Hmm. Um which is another big song. It's in not my time. Yeah, and um, I can't. I can't even count how many people hmm. reach out or at shows or whatever. They're like, "This got me through my cancer treatments." Wow! And like the fact that that like latches onto people there. It's like you can't. You can't specifically sit down and be like I'm going to write a song that people who are going through a hard time, yeah, are going to latch onto for the rest of their lives and it's going to become an anthem. Like you just you write. And he has that talent that people were like, that's the, the song of my life. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's so a, powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, he said, uh, for most people, not all, music is the thing known in the present life, which most strongly suggests ecstasy and infinity. And I mean, he's got to be right because... I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely that way for me. Like there's nothing that tops music's ability to like penetrate your soul. Basically. I mean, it's like that for, for someone to be in cancer treatment and to hear this music, which how do you even describe it? Like these tones and these words put together and, but, but to hear this song be played and to like give that person hope. And yet it's still, it still works for millions of people who don't have cancer, yeah. but it also works for that person who does, and they're going through a really hard time, and it's particularly meaningful for them. Like there is a, there is an intangible, almost spiritual, like there's something going on there, at like the level of chemistry that how do you yeah. even begin to describe? I don't think you can. Like I, I think you either get it. Or you don't like there's yeah. some people that like legitimately don't listen to music and I don't know mm-hmm. how they function, but yeah, there is uh there is a spiritual level to it that I think like it just speaks to that human collective. Whatever yeah. whatever that is, whatever that I mean every religion has some kind of music. Every like there's a yeah, there's a do. spiritual aspect to it that brings people together that like you said, it like penetrates your soul. Yes. And I think that goes across like anything. There's all, I mean, some people love hardcore music or only listen to country or classical or yep. like whatever it is, it, there's a place for it and it speaks to you and it speaks yes. to people. And that's what's like, whatever is different from us than animals. Cause we're, we have obvious differences from animals. Like they're all about instinct and they just do their thing. And then we, but they, I mean, they communicate too, but like we, like we wonder like, is there more to this life? I don't think yeah. animals really wonder that, you know? No. So whatever those differences are between animals and humans, whatever that is, that's what music is speaking to. You know yeah. what I mean? It's gotta yeah. be that it's like at that level. Yeah. Um, you said, uh, I think I saw a quote somewhere. You said, uh, let's see at the end of the day, I know I'll always be able to focus on my love of an honest melody. This was an article that's, that yeah, yeah. someplace in Nashville had said, yeah. So you'll just be able to focus on your love of an honest melody. What do you What do you mean by that? Um, just being true to what I want to convey in my music. I think. Um, okay. 
not, I, I don't know. I guess. Uh, and you're saying melody really pretending. Not, yeah. Yeah. Like doing, doing what I believe, not really chasing other stuff because right. it's popular. But Yep. Yep. I think um, that comes through in music too. Yeah, yeah. I think you can hear, you can kind of hear a difference, especially if you've been listening to an artist for a little while. Right. Um, and, and I'm all about like trying different things with the music and stuff, but sometimes things come off disingenuine. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think um, that would be the, the, the honest melody side of it. And, and there's always a space for that too. You yeah. know what I mean? There's always going to be a market for that honest yeah. melody yeah. for sure. Um, just being true to myself. Yep. With that. And then other people identify with it as well. Yeah. When you played at the inauguration, which Andrew, can you pull that up on the TV or no? Um, that was Trump's inauguration, mm-hmm. January of 17. Yep. So almost four years ago, very close to four years ago. Yeah. Um, like who contacts you? Like the people that are putting this inauguration together and... Yeah, the people, it, um, <laughs> there was people above my pay grade that I'd never have any contact with that... They're like they got the, together and, uh, and whoever's like sudden, planning the inauguration, like it's not going to be like Trump's like, yeah, I want to have three doors at my inauguration, but whoever like plans these have. things, I mean, the I band, mean, he might the have band yeah. met him years ago, like way before I was in the band. They, um, they met him playing, I think Leno one night or something. Oh yeah. A long time ago, he said he was awesome. And came into the dressing room, like talked to everybody. So he was the nicest man. Very cool. And, um, I mean, Knowing, knowing that, he, he maybe was like, yeah. Yeah, guys, get like, three they, doors they have that here. connection with the military. Like, we, yeah. we've done a ton of USO-type tours. Oh, really? Um, always big supporters of the military, so I think that had a lot to do with it. So, I see. Um, same with Toby Keith. He was on it with us. Um, okay, I was going to ask who else played in the inauguration. It was us and Toby Keith and Lee Greenwood that I remember the God bless the oh, USA. Wow. Yeah. It's proud to be American song. Um, oh man, that's such a big song. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I think a lot of that um was connected with the the patriotic band. I see American that makes sense. band yes. military stuff too. That makes sense. So can you pull up the one video where it's like the um the, the at least the one video that we that we saw. Yeah, oh, okay, this is Kryptonite. Just play a little bit of that, Andrew. I mean, look at all oh, those yeah. people. It's crazy. TV's, I will say, without, without getting oh, into political stuff, um, I remember when we did this, because like, the, the whole fake news thing was starting. Oh, yeah? People were talking about it, and I remember we rehearsed the night before, and CNN ran the picture of our rehearsal said nobody showed up for this event <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah like the next day like people were sending us stuff and i was like that's the most people i've ever seen in one place and oh my day, goodness like, because we got there's a we static got, we got trash not big time for, for doing that you got trash for doing what for playing the inauguration it was like three doors visceral, got trash for yeah, playing the inauguration hatred yeah like we, from we your were, fans or from who um the, it was definitely it, it wasn't the fans it was just it was you know the same like people, people that always that didn't freak want out. trump to be elected or what yeah, yeah those same people that always freak out over shit um they were very unhappy that we were doing that uh, it could have been anybody that like wow. they, they attacked everybody for doing it but um that oh, there's justin look at that dang short what does that feel like man i mean look at this stage it was uh i haven't seen that in a while 
<laughs> um, it's kind of a blur, to be honest. Yeah, it's a blur. It was a uh, was a lot of security in and out of the I stuff. I believe that. Yeah, but we'll say everybody we came in contact with backstage. Um, Thanks, Andrew. everybody who worked for the different stuff, like all races, all nationalities, like everybody that was working on that was so cool. And they were so happy to to be doing stuff. There, like, it wasn't a negative thing at all. There was no... I didn't come in contact with a single negative person working on anything back there. I see. So I think that um, with all the negativity going into it, yep. um, it lightened the mood big time. Everybody was having a great day. They were like, hey, thanks for playing. This is cool. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, I don't care who it is. Like, play for a president. Oh yeah, so yeah, that's a big deal. I'd do it again, do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, um, anybody like always like anybody always gives shit or something. I'm like, kiss my ass. Yeah, exactly. Do it again. Yeah, I mean that's such an honor to pr- play for any president. Yeah. What I do you mean? It's a big deal. It is a big deal for sure. Do you think Trump gets a negative light cast on him? I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, from people that are trying to take over, you know trying to make him look bad to get him out and so their yep. party can come in all these things. Do you think he just deals with that almost on every level? or Probably. Or do you think there's, like, sometimes he does, I don't know, do some weird stuff? or I'm sure it's a mix. Um, I've always been pragmatic with voting. Um, I usually don't ever talk about politics stuff just because it's so annoying right now. But yep. um, <laughs> I think it's one of those things, like the – since probably like the early Obama years, um, media, social media, the connection that we all have has turned politics in, into such a divisive yeah, it has. Yep. thing that you have to be angry about. And you have to, like, if somebody doesn't think the exact same way, you got to attack them. Yeah. And I think um, they just absolutely ramped it up for him. Yeah, I, I think totally it, agree. I think it existed in the Obama days. And that was right when social media was really becoming prominent in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I think right whenever Trump came in, it was like, now everybody's on their phone 24-7. And from then on, everybody just kind of lives in that echo chamber of ideas. Like, whatever yeah. whatever idea you have, you can find a lot of other people that agree with you. Yep. And you can stay right there. Yeah. And you don't ever have to leave. And then you can you can look at other people outside of that and be judgmental and angry about it and it's just it's it's easy we've let it yeah, happen it is people yeah, have people have allowed this to permeate their lives and their being and to it's allowed them to disown family members and friends that yeah. they've had their entire lives and i think especially now um after this election like whoever whoever wins it's just furthered the divide because of the years leading up to it Mm -hmm. and um i've always been hopeful and like i love this country and i'm very like even no matter what i'm still proud to be an american and live here and i think it's the greatest country in the world and i think we've got a lot of opportunities and i'm never gonna apologize for that but yeah um it's kind of tough to see the light at the end of the tunnel when yeah the divide just keeps getting driven further and further and further yeah, and and that that divide is being driven even deeper mm-hmm. from social media and algorithms yeah. and all of those. I mean, that's, I think that there's stuff a, is just a, not helping at all. 
I, I don't like diving into conspiracy theories either, but I think there's there's a conscious effort from somebody who's... You think? Yeah, I think there's a, like, I don't know who it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the end game is, but I think there's, like, you can get on social media right now, today, and if you posted something uh, saying, like, this this election was rigged, Instagram takes it down, Facebook yeah. takes it down instantly. Like, it's gone. Like, your your yep. account's flagged, and all of a sudden you can't post. Yeah. That's weird to me. Yeah, that's weird to you me, too. You can't get on Twitter and say stuff like the, the First Amendment, the freedom of speech is gone. Yes. Uh, like you can't just get on and say shit. Well, <laughs> that's exactly right. So I think when it comes to your point about motivation and something or something, you know, someone's being behind this, I don't disagree with that. But we, it's, I mean, when you look at what they're taking down, it does tend to be more, I mean, from what I've seen, it tends to be more on the conservative side yeah. that they're taking that down. Yeah. So that's at least some insight into what it seems like what's going on here. There's that door again. Um, <laughs> your first uh, Us in the Night, that was yeah. your, this was like you were part of writing this song. Yeah. And, um, and playing it in studio. Yep. And how soon was this after you were uh, had had joined up with uh, Three Doors? When was that? Hey, it feels like forever ago now. Um, I had really short hair on that album. <laughs> it helps me kind of gauge stuff sometimes. Um, I've been in the band for like three or four years. Okay, so it's been a couple years. Yeah, so we'd we'd been touring and and had that chemistry going. And, okay, that's um, a great song, man. I was listening to it earlier today. It's it's very very nice. nice. It's a that very was, good song. Um, the song was very close to my heart. Oh yeah, and stuff. I'd because since I play guitar, I got to whenever we bring stuff in, I wasn't like, hey, check out this bass line, guys. Like okay. bringing guitar parts that I've been working on. Okay, and um, I think that was a big help with writing the record. Um, because everybody played guitar. Greg, even our drummer, like he he plays guitar. He's a great guitar player. Okay. And um so that was kind of especially with the rock music that that we play, there was a lot of guitar driven stuff. Yes. Um, at least out of the gate. So that helped. Um coming in with riffs, coming in with little parts that might be cool for different stuff. Mm-hmm. And um that was one of them. I had that guitar riff I'd been jamming for a while and okay. we put it together. Um yeah, it was a very cool process. It was about a year of getting together three or four times a week, just the guys in the band and banging our heads against the wall. and To to make that album? Yeah. Okay, a whole year. It's close to it. Wow. Close to it. Yeah. Um, of just, the process of everything, you know, writing, and then um, it takes time mm-hmm. to do all that stuff. Look, we had the studio out in Hendersonville, so we did a lot of writing out there. And okay. That day we could sit and build a whole track that sounded like, record ready um, wow. just with the technology that's out there yep. and um but then you got stuff like oh here's the holidays oh we've got a couple shows here so it ends up being kind of drawn out i don't sure. and that being five years ago like the tech five or six years ago now i guess um technology's caught up now to where you can bang that stuff out pretty quick but, yeah um even more so than it was back then but yep. um yeah it took about about a year of, like start to finish getting stuff together and figuring out the songs and getting management to like everything or yep. find the producer and um yeah what's your favorite part of the process is it like writing these songs being part of that is it the studio or is it just going out and playing shows it's writing writing and oh, playing yeah? shows yeah like the studio stuff's fun it's a little sure. it gets grueling and monotonous i think that's when the the 
the uh, the really hard part comes out. Um, yes, getting it perfect, and you got a couple different opinions in there. Right. And, um, at the end of the, I love writing. I love performing and stuff, and the studio stuff's probably third down the list somewhere. I see. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> the um, let's talk about some of the stuff you're coming out with now, though. Yeah, because you've got a couple of great songs out yourself. Yeah. Which one? Which one do you like the most? Is that um, like asking which one of your kids is your favorite? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always loved. Uh, She's got the highway. It's um, a great song, man. I think that's too because I've it was one of the it was the third song that I put out, and whenever I play it live, like the fans love it. Oh yeah, yeah. So mm. that was kind of a fan favorite for a while too since I've been playing live doing the stuff on my own so that one's got a special place um what do you think it is about that one that the audience latches on to when you play it live um I think um the the performance and delivery it's like my like I love singing it and playing it so okay. I think it, it really stands out but also like the chorus is cool and it's relatable um especially for women I think um, okay so it's like a positive female song, yep. Which you don't get a ton of in country music. Um, yeah, not that it's all negative, but a lot of it's like you know breakup songs or party songs or something. And I wanted that one to be a little more like, hey, you know, there's a lot of women that are traveling all the time and love music and do the same thing that I do all on a daily basis, and wanted to be kind of about them and relatable to them in a positive light. Yes, you know, like a you know. Strong woman out traveling for work or going to shows or whatever it is and mm-hmm. listening to music and loving music as much as, you know, the guys in the profession do too. Yeah. So, Did you find that that song latched on with the female audience more yeah. than some of your other songs? Yeah, definitely. I see. It's, I think it goes back to that relatable thing too. It's like I've had so many fans that are like, that's me. Like I travel for work all the time. Oh, okay. Like, that's my song. Like I put it on every time I get in the car. And okay, um, that was huge for me having something that you know, like I wrote and that I perform and that I put out. That I get messages that are like that song's about me. I love it. I, every time I get in the car, I play it, and that's cool. Yep. yep. Like people are like, this gets me through my day. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's why I do it. Yeah, that is great. Are you working on what are you working on now? More singles or an album or working on singles. Um, okay, I think everything's kind of going that way, anyways. Is um, it? Yeah, with people's attention spans, it's kind of tough to sit sit back for a whole year to sure. put out a record. Yeah, that's you know like ten, fifteen songs. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you get done, like within two or three months, people are like, "Hey, we can put out more music." Yeah, <laughs> I just worked on this for like two years. <laughs> yeah. This is like this is my life's work. What are you What are you talking about? Yeah. With more music coming, like here it is. Yeah. Um, I so think you see the, the industry going more towards singles. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of been driving that way with country music for sure, and oh, then pop okay. music big time. Um, really? Yeah, just because you can go record a song today and have it out tomorrow. Yeah, like with the technology that's here, it's not you don't have to wait very long to get stuff out. So, yep. um, how everything's algorithm driven like yep whenever you put stuff out and get people liking and sharing and liking and sharing and mm-hmm. following and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. six weeks you do it again and there's more and more and more i and see it's interesting okay it's an attention span thing i think too so i mm-hmm. said like people there's so much music coming out constantly mm-hmm. you kind of have to keep up with that and you gotta 
be putting your stuff in the mix as much as possible. I see. Sure, that makes sense. What do you see as the downside to the industry moving more towards singles as opposed to away from albums then? Um, I'm sure there's plenty of downsides with you know record sales and that kind of stuff. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like almost non-existent nowadays. Sure. Um, well, getting flooded is- with a lot of stuff. There's, I mean, you, you got to... It's a very vast ocean mm-hmm. now. It's like a it's like a teardrop in the ocean whenever mm-hmm. you put out a song, mm-hmm. just because there's so many artists putting stuff out, mm-hmm. good or bad. Yeah, like it's it's everywhere around the world every yep. single day. So, I mean, like twenty years ago, you maybe have like a hundred records that came out worldwide in a year. Mm-hmm. So. You didn't really have as much competition, I guess. And now sure. it's, there's just so much stuff. Yep. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, also now if you take a year without putting out any new music, that's that has a real negative effect also on yeah. creating, keeping some buzz out there and keeping some momentum and all of that yeah. as well, right? Unless so, you've like, already made lose, it. Yeah, unless, unless you've already, you've already made, it. made it, then everyone just can't wait, you know, yeah. through your next album and, and they're fine waiting that 10 months people, or whatever but people kind of lose interest after a while so i think a big part of that too is like like the the upside would be you know this young artist coming out like myself and a lot of others that can constantly put out music without having to have like a record label fronting 30 grand every time you go in the studio to press cds and put record stuff out and do all this like yeah you can kind of allocate your limited funds in the different things that will further that instead of totally on creating this record that mm-hmm. now you have to also spend additional money promoting. So yep. that's the plus, I think. You get, yeah. Um, a lot easier, I guess, for, for younger people, younger artists, I should say, to uh, get their music out and be heard and picked up by people. Yep. What do you... So you've been a country music fan for a long time. Yeah. What's your assessment of where that genre is now and where it's going? Um, like I said before, like just because I don't love something doesn't mean there's not a place for it. Um, there's some stuff that I just like, I don't get. It's over my, like, I wouldn't say it's over my head, but like, it's just not for me, Yeah, which is totally fine. Like there's a place for all of it. Um, like I wouldn't say there's a divide necessarily because, uh, there's always going to be all sorts of different stuff on country. And I think even listening back, back in the day there, like, especially in the eighties, there's all sorts of stuff coming out with saxophone and mm-hmm. full band kind of production. That was kind of the weird eighties country that was still popular and stuff that was still more like outlaw country, like Waylon and all that stuff. Yeah. So I think it's just like everything else. There's a broad world of country music. And mm-hmm. I think, um, what I've noticed, like myself and a lot of other artists coming out, there's like a little bit of this split where people are doing stuff that's a little more traditional, like what they grew up on. Yeah. And then there's another split that's a little more pop, like stuff sure. that's, you know, experimental and coming out. And so there's a there's a place for all of it because you'll see fans that like, they're like, oh, I love Sam Hunt. And then like, oh, I love Jason Isbell. Mm-hmm. Like there's the two very opposite ends of country music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's fans across all of it, yeah. so it's uh, it's an interesting world. It's it's cool. There's a lot of kind of openness to it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's um, 
I mean, it's one of the great things about being in Nashville is you're, this is, this is the city where it all happens. I mean, yeah. our pastor at Emmanuel years ago when he was doing, I think his PhD studies in Scotland, Saturday night, turn on the radio, Grand Ole Opry, like all across the world, yeah. you know, yeah. basically all across the world. And that was coming out of Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Like this is the epicenter for that, that genre of music. And I think too, with, with, country even stuff that like on the popular side it's still just songs about life and whatever right whatever form of life you're in like if you're a kind of teenage kid out drinking at bars and hitting on girls like there's songs for you if you're like yeah going through a divorce there's songs for you if you're like having a, a kid and your life's great there's songs for you and i think the story of it the the life lessons the just the easy kind of speaking way that country music does. It yep. appear, appeals to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who aren't necessarily like full-on hardcore country fans right. still love a lot of country stuff. Yeah, you're right about that. Internationally, too. I yeah. mean, there's, like, there's yeah. people around the world that love country yeah. music. It just speaks to people. And I think it's a, a similar thing to like what I was saying about like Brad's lyrics and stuff. It just speaks to people. Right. And um, sticks around because people identify with it. Yep. Is that an issue for the other band members, Three Doors, when you're out kind of doing your own music, or are those guys all doing it too, and it's just what people do, and it's no big deal as long as like, it doesn't detract from the band? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm very conscious of keeping them separate, especially okay. like when I'm around everybody. It's like Three Doors World. It's a professional thing okay. to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh, hey, guys, guess what I'm doing? Um, sure. Keep it very professional. Mm-hmm. And everybody's been always been cool with it. Everybody, yep. Greg writes his own stuff. Um, Brad okay. just put out a song on his own. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah, I think everybody. It's, it's very it's, common. Yeah, it's common. I think. Um, I think sometimes you'll run into some stuff with with you know the main folks that have a little different ego than the rest of the guys, and I think in a different situation it would be something if I was with somebody that was a total asshole or something. Right. You could see him being like, "Hey, man, like I'm the star of the show. Quit, quit getting out there doing stuff." Yes. But just never, never happens with with this band. I think yeah. everybody's got their own stuff nobody's nobody's trying to hold anybody back i right. think it's like you'd have to like really actively be trying to stop somebody from doing some shit for your own personal reasons to tell them not to go make music yeah because it doesn't detract from yeah. the three door stuff yeah. it's like, and i what, think why i think too like it's it's a separate genre completely so i'm not out like trying to go front an active rock band yeah, that's a good you point. know like so yeah it's, it's just me playing guitar and singing my songs, and it's country. Yes. And I think that that kind of helps keep that separation as well. Sure. Um, but I do have, like, like our fans that I've earned through my career and Three Doors love what I'm putting out. By the really? grace of God, they love it. So um, That's interesting. Yeah, I've had a lot of fans carry over from that, which is really cool. Um, okay. Huge blessing. Um, which is fascinating because yeah. they're, they're just completely separate types of music. Yeah. But you established a fan base in one that's now they're they're coming because it's you that's doing these other songs, right? Yeah. And it happens to be country, yeah. but they're okay with that because they're after your music. Yeah, and um, like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, like just the best fans I've ever seen it hmm. attached to a group. Hmm. So um, they're very supportive of what I'm doing on my own, and then also with the band. So okay. Um, yeah, it's cool. Do people cool. do people notice you on the street ever? It's happened a couple times. Okay. Um, now, obviously, if the whole band was together and would walk through 
Nashville, that's a different story entirely. But when the somebody guys might are recognize us, somebody. they might just think we're here like on bachelor getaway going to yeah. <laughs> Broadway or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, the band's been like, if you tell people, yeah, I'm in Three Doors Down. Like, oh shit, yeah, I know all your songs. But like, I just sat at a restaurant for an hour and they had never. Yeah, really I mean, heck, I worked out with, alongside you for a while. I yeah. never knew you were <laughs> bass player for Three Doors Down. We're, uh, oddly, very humble people. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's a don't pretty big like, deal. Walk around wearing it on my sleeve or anything. Yeah, yeah. We're we're so no tours now because of COVID. Yeah. Any light on the horizon there? Or is just like this is just shut down until things start to get under control. Um, yeah, on, on the, the large scale, yes. Um, we just moved it. We were supposed to be doing our 20th anniversary tour this summer and we moved all that to next year. Okay. Um, and on the small scale, like my stuff, like I can go play bars and everything. So okay. places that are open, I've been out kind of kicking around playing shows, different places and states that are open. So, okay. um, I but, get out cause I can just throw my stuff in the truck and go play. Yep. But the three doors playing in stadiums and concerts, that's just, that's not, you have something scheduled for next year, but there's nothing in between unless COVID all of a sudden yeah. just gets better or something. Yeah. Nothing on the books now. It's just, it's too much stuff to yeah. safely move. Yeah. You for know what sure. I'm saying? Like just the, the logistics of having the people that we travel with, it's, yep. it's too much. Yeah. And uh, again, it's one of those things too, like you go play a big show and you get a lot of heat for it negatively because mm. the people have really like jumped on board with everything. So you get, you get a lot of heat for it because like you guys shouldn't you be can. together. We haven't, yeah, we haven't, yeah, done, we that. haven't done anything yeah. yet, so, but there's other groups and stuff that have gone out and done things that I've heard of here and there and it's looked upon negatively. Yes. So, yeah. I've heard the same. Yeah. Kind of is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I so said it's, it's, it's easy for me to get out and go play, you know, 50 to 100 people yeah. at a safely secured area. Yep. Um, which has been good. Um, but that's only recent that that's opened up again, right? Yeah. At least it in started, Nashville? started uh, this month, pretty much. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, in Nashville, people have been doing a little bit more. Um, cause some okay. of the bars have opened up, so like writer's rounds and that kind of stuff. Yes. But it's still, you know, 50% capacity and keeping yeah. everybody distanced and all that kind of yep. stuff. Those writers' rounds, man, are awesome. I mean, that is, yeah. those are like some of my favorite. Love doing them. Musical, like I guess, air quotes, concerts or whatever to be at. I mean, it's just the intimacy there, and also feel like like hearing the songs directly from the the songwriter. Like that's there's a there's a magic there yeah. that's just it's and these guys and gals are such great storytellers, and I mean they're just so impressive. So like those songwriter rounds, that's. I mean, those are just, I think that's some of the best things out there yeah. you can get in music. My favorite thing that we do in town, it's called Tim Pan South. And yeah, it's yeah. just, like, yeah. every night it's it's writer's rounds all over the city for a whole week. And it's, it's people on my level that are still trying to make a name for themselves writing. And then you got guys who are like, I wrote this for George Strait back in 81. Yes. You're like, holy shit. Like, that's yep. that was a massive song that, like, everybody knows. And here's the guy that sat down one day and was like, I got this idea and wrote it. Mm-hmm. So you see that all over the city. It's my favorite thing that we do in town. Yeah, but is that off this year? I think it's off this year. Okay. Um, 
they might be trying to do some version of it. It's usually in April. Okay. So yep. it may it may be fine by then. Um Yeah. They, who knows? They, we were at an event one time uh where it was at the Bluebird over Tin Pan South and um I mean, just exceptional, just yeah. exceptional. And that's the other cool thing about Nashville is you have this history, you know, like you're sitting in the Bluebird where so many people have come through that yeah. have really made it a really big level. Mm-hmm. And that happened right there in that room, you know? Yeah. Um, that was always my draw to the city was like all this history and, and like we'd come over and for whatever reason be here and go to a lot of writers rounds and okay. go to a lot of random events of like, Different things that my friends who were living here at the time knew what were going on. I'd just be like, "Wow, like, want to be a part of this? Like, I want to, yeah. want to be up there singing. I want to, like, I want to be part of the history that's going on here." Yeah. And, Did you always knew you you would be? Um, I knew I wanted to be. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like, yeah, I'm going to be up there someday doing that. Right. But I had the drive and I, I had the the work ethic to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sacred West Trading Co. Yeah. What's that all about? So uh, a couple months ago, I guess, when everything really shut down, I um, had a lot of time on my hands, obviously, and still do. And um, it's something I'd kind of been throwing around for a while trying to figure out how to do it. But it's uh, it's an apparel company. Um, a bunch of designs that myself and my one of my best friends, Darren, um, same guy I was talking about that worked with the management company, all that okay. stuff for years. Me and yeah. him grew up together in Asheville. Oh, okay. He moved here, I guess, fifteen years ago now. But um, we've he's he's like my brother, but um, he's really good with computer program and stuff, and he's good with design too. And um, started doing a couple designs. It's a lot of kind of Wild West stuff that I like, always attached to, and um. It's like let's let's try to make a apparel company or something out of it. There's a lot of different ways you can do it nowadays, like drop ship and all this stuff, where you yep. don't have to have 500 t-shirts packed up in the garage ready to go. Exactly. And um, we started looking into it, and like this might actually be a, a viable thing to do right now, yep. since like music is pretty much done. So uh, started designing. He started building the web store. Um, Start getting stuff together, and we were like showing our friends and family, like, "Hey, check this design out!" And they're like, "It's really cool." Mm-hmm. So um, we just kept running with it, kept finding random stuff that we could do with it. Like, we got some coffee on there. Um, I've been collecting in my travels, uh, like native Southwest jewelry for a long time. A lot of turquoise oh, stuff that, cool. that fit with the brand too. And I was like, "Yep, got so much of it." And uh, I was like, "Let's put that up there too." Okay, and have that aspect of it. And yep. yeah, um, did like I said, did leather work for a long time. I have um, a bunch of connections with that stuff, so we did a lot of like we got wallets on there and different stuff. I saw that. Yeah. It's really cool, man. I mean, you guys did a great job with that brand. That's so one of the you made this right here. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, Sacred West Trading Co. Is this your? Is this a? Is this the Sacred West Trading Co. logo, the eagle, or no? Is that just? Um, yeah, that's one that of just, them. That's okay. one of them. That's one of the designs. That's, that a, that's a design that happens to be on this leather wallet. Dude, yeah. That is impressive. But I love the, I mean the, the Wild West, the frontier, the free spirit, the desert, the eagle, like the sand, like that. That whole scene, I dude, I love yeah. that. And Me so too. the Sacred West Trading Co. Like just going through your Instagram, which I think is just Sacred West Trading Co. On Instagram, right? Yeah. The people yeah. search it, they can find your page. Yeah. 
I mean, your stuff is really cool. I mean, your T-shirts, the design's really great. I mean, this, I thought it was exceptional, man. Thank you. So people can buy this stuff online right now? Yeah, we got a web store. It's ready to go. Okay. Uh, It's sacredwesttrading.com, and then you can find our Instagram, all that good stuff. Yeah. Like, it's all integrated now, so you can go on and shop, like, directly off of Instagram. Okay, yeah. The same thing on Facebook. If you see something on there, like, you click on it, it'll... And go check out. Yeah, the, it's crazy the how that is. Pretty cool. And so your buddy has all this like technical prowess to set mm-hmm. all the the back end stuff up. Yeah, yeah, and he's really good with design stuff too. So we kind of okay. double tackle design work and yeah. Um, he's really good with all the computer stuff and he okay. Can, sit there and program it make the website look good get the store stuff all figured out and stuff that i have no idea how to do right um, where'd you get the name sacred west trading co it's the really great name um kind of just came to me i was putting a lot of stuff together i wanted it to be that kind of wild west stuff i grew up on okay. westerns spent a ton of time out west i love it okay love all the the history and the symbolism stuff out there and um yeah, just kind of kept putting things together and throwing things around. And a lot of times, like, when I come up with an idea for a song or something random like that, it, like, it gets stuck in my head for a very long time. And, like, okay. I'll be going to sleep and, like, thinking about it until I can't sleep. Yep. And um, I kind of, that's how I kind of figure out that something's hitting. Mm-hmm. So, especially, like, if it's a chorus for a song or something, I kind of treat that the same way so okay. if i've got an idea for something i'm trying to go to bed and it's still just like running in my head non-stop i'm yep. like all right i'm on to something like yeah tell somebody else about it yep and um that's kind of what happened with that once i was designing stuff and putting things like together. you had the name for a while yeah yeah oh okay and um it just kept like coming up in my head coming up in my head and i checked to see if it was a thing or not like I oh checked, really yeah because nowadays it's easy to be like sacredwest.com like what what's that yeah, see yeah. if it's a thing see if it's taken already exactly um hopped on instagram and nobody had anything even close and i was like all right so i went ahead and got it and when i ran it by darren he was like that's cool yeah you can do a lot with that so absolutely what i think is genius about it is because it explains so much in the name like sacred so you're getting some vibes there west you're getting a lot of vibes there and then trading and like the, the trading co thing, like people sort of, when you say like a trading co, like immediately that starts to trigger like certain like yeah. vibes in your mind. So like sacred West trading co, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's genius man. Thank you. for what you're Thank selling. You. I think yeah. it's spot on. Picture Are you like selling the whole some? outpost stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah that's, yeah. that's what I was trying to, yeah convey with that nothing are you right. uh are you like doing like paid facebook ads or anything like that or google um, ads we're starting like, some push here before um for thanksgiving oh okay um, going into this like kind of holiday season stuff yep. um i wouldn't say it was like a soft launch by any means but we sure we're building into learning a lot of stuff like different program things so that's okay. that's happening very soon we're gonna be yeah throwing some money that we've been making off it into nice building even further so you've been selling some stuff? Yeah, yeah, we've been getting. I'm not surprised. It's great looking city stuff, stales, man. Which is cool. And it's very cool. Yeah, I'm very happy the people are digging it. Yeah, it's great. Sacred West Trading Co. Everyone can check it out. Yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we're constantly updating stuff and new designs and different different things on there. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Uh, well, great, man. Anything else you want to get into here? Yeah, um, starting today. Today's the sixth. Um, got pre-sales for my next single. 
coming out. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, we're going to okay. have all the stuff posted up. But my next Just today this out. happened? Yeah, we're, we're going to be launching like all the links to go pre-save oh, and pre-sale. Okay. Um, yeah. It'll be out November 20th. Okay. Um, really excited about this one. Nice. Um, it turned out great. It was a song I've been playing live for over a year. It's called Wild Mustangs. Okay. Um, absolutely love how it turned out. And really, the title really proud sounds of it. great. Yeah, very, very excited about it. Um, what sort of the con? Like, what's the like the storyline or the theme of the of the song? It's kind of a young love and loss kind oh, of deal. Cool. Um, okay. Kind of set to a, a desert backdrop. So, oh man, um, wild mustangs. Yeah, it worked uh, worked out with a lot of stuff that came up in the future. Okay. Since I've written it. And, okay. Um, yeah. Um, before I put the song out, I launched a fan club, which okay. I, I never had before, and it was actual like fans that are excited and you know pay for a membership and want behind the scenes stuff and different yep. songs, and um, ended up naming the fan club the Wild Mustangs too. So like if you're okay. if you're a Justin Biltman fan, the fan club's the Wild Mustangs. So this the songs with that too. Okay, so a lot cool. of stuff kind of randomly, organically came together with it. Yeah, and um. Yeah, it's cool. What but is the, how, how does how does the fan it? club get like a Facebook group or like you use like a particular no, like app a, for like the music industry? Actual, it's, it's Patreon. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So yeah. you got a bunch of different tiers and different fans that like get more into it than others. And, I see. But it's it's fans that are excited about what I'm doing. Exactly. Which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyone's listening that wants to check out your new single. Yeah. This will come out in a week or two, which would be pretty close to the 20th yep. probably, so yep. and people can check that out. Fan club's getting it early, which is okay. cool. So it's another little perk of being in the fan club. But um, yeah. it'll be out everywhere on the 20th. Sweet, yep. sweet. Well, dude, thanks for coming by this afternoon, hey, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cool. It's good to get to know you better. We worked out for a while together. You know, We weren't there together every day, but... Um, but, uh, you know, when you mentioned what you, what you did, like I've been wanting to have you on for some time because, uh, I mean, back to the three doors, I mean, look, those guys, man, I mean, those are some of my favorite songs back in the yeah. day. I mean, it's surreal <laughs> to be sitting across the table from the bass player, it's, you know? Uh, it's surreal to be a part of it, too. Yeah, I'm so sure. But then you've got cool. your own talent, you know? Yeah. I mean, you've got your own stuff going on and... and um is there like a artistic or kind of creative? Because there's a common denominator here, like with performing with Three Doors, but then also your own music, but then also like Sacred West Trading Co. Like, what would you call that in you? Is that a a creative side, an artistic side, a visionary side? What what, what do you think that is? Probably, probably a good mix of all that. Okay, a lot of artistic side, like across the board in music and drawing and leather work and just different stuff that I've done and um. I think I like a weirdly uneducated business entrepreneurial spirit. Sure. I think. Yep. Um, Cause I kind of conduct myself as everything's a business in some way, like okay. with, especially with like the music and the art stuff. Like there's a business side to all of it and a professionalism, I think would be the, the better word mm-hmm. for it, not mm-hmm. business, but um, just kind of conducting myself in a, professionally artistic way, I guess. Yeah, is the, right. Yeah. No, it's put very some, well. Some way to put yeah. it, I guess. In, yeah. In some aspect. You playing any shows this weekend? Um, yeah, I'm playing uh, up in Kentucky. Oh, wow. Little, uh, Tonight or tomorrow? Uh, it's tomorrow. Um, okay. The buddy of mine, he's got a little country bar that he plays with all the time. Cool. Um, his name's Dustin Collins, playing with him. Okay. And then um, next week, I'll be down at the Florabama in Florida. Yeah. 
playing the Frank Brown Songwriter Fest. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I've got five shows during that. Oh, very cool. So that'll be cool. The four of them are right on the right on. You're talking about that big bar and grill right yep. on the line there. Yeah, oh, yeah. The we were just there this past year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite places to to be at, let alone play. It's it's incredible. I played the festival last year. Oh yeah, and it's it's got that vibe. It's kind of that. Yes, Nashville's home away from home for songwriters. Yes, and every room is signed floor to ceiling, and there's been some crazy songs written there, and some insane songwriters that have played that place and that was like their home away from home for a long time oh i didn't Man. realize that yeah, yeah I didn't a lot of music that. history there big, oh okay i had no history. idea oh yeah we were just there on vacation right before covid hit actually they locked everything down the day before we left so our last day was a little boring but it could have been yeah. a lot worse um so but i didn't know there was so much history there yeah, a ton of history there and, interesting um, it's cool to be able to like get up there and be a part of it and so yeah like, absolutely got to sign a little main stage area last year and sweet it's uh I'm excited that they asked me back. So absolutely, I've got five songs on there, and everybody that I played with last year, we're all good friends now. And okay, it's cool. It's a really cool. The vibe there is awesome. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. And then um, after Thanksgiving, I'm working on a run down in Texas as long as everything stays open. Okay, so I'll be in like Dallas, Fort Worth, and then a little further south. Okay, a bunch of different places. Hopefully, hopefully, COVID's trending up right now. Yeah, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, man, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. This was fun. A lot of fun.